What a great song. Uh, before I pray, before we, we jump into the message tonight, uh, Jeff Glass uh, has informed me that uh, Alan Babcock was admitted to North Central Baptist with an abdominal obstruction, went to the emergency room this morning, and uh, they have admitted him into North Central Baptist and are monitoring him. And uh, as we pray for our, our study tonight, we also want to pray for Alan. Father, grateful are we that you hear our prayers. As, as jumbled as our emotions might be at times and, and as confused as we are with our words and trying to sort out what makes sense to our feeble minds, we're thankful that through our spirit, Father, these words are expressed in the language of heaven that, that you understand and, and that you hear us with the ear of a father, with the ear of love, with, with the ear of one who cares for our best interests. And in the name of our Christ and Savior, our Lord Jesus, uh, we lift up to you, Alan Babcock, and ask for the blessing of healing and safety for him and his body, Father. We, we ask that, that you bless him with all of your power and with all of your might, and that there be a, a multitude of angels in his room tonight, Father, caring and protecting him. And uh, we also pray for, for Jeff, uh, our brother and uh, a physician for so many of us. Uh, we pray that you bless him with wisdom, Father, and with skill. Uh, bless his hands, Father, and his mind, and, and give him discernment, Father, and, and bless him as he, as he takes care of, of Alan. We also, Father, ask for, for skill when it comes to studying your word. And for that word, Father, to, to be rightly divided in our minds and hearts in such a way that it corrects us and that it helps us to be shaped into men and women of God, that, that we emulate Jesus in all that we do, that we're conformed to His image, that, that we are transformed, Father, into His likeness in all that we do by Your Spirit, degree by degree, day by day. And, and we're thankful, Father, for this Word that instructs our mind and, and at times hits us like a sledgehammer and at times lifts us up on angels' wings, it seems, closer to You and, and fills our hearts with, with, with the rhapsody and, and, and with the greatness of the music of Your kingdom. And so we are so grateful for it. And, and we ask, Father, for eyes that see and ears that hear. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Passage tonight deals with shepherds, deals with angels. These shepherds are men who herded livestock for a living. They were at the bottom of the social structure. Not the greatest individuals, even though we have kind of these romantic ideas of what shepherds were like in the ancient world during the time of Jesus, during the time of this particular night that Scripture is talking to us about, uh, these fellows were, were less than the romantic ideal of, you know, these, these fellows taking care in, in peaceful uh, pastures, these, these sheep. They, they were not, uh, in, in many ways, uh, exemplary individuals. Uh, you know, you've heard people say, you, you know, when somebody uses vulgar language, uh, he cusses like a sailor. 
Well, Israel didn't have a navy, so in those days they would probably say something like, He cuts us like a shepherd. Uh, fairly or unfairly, the character of the shepherd was not highly regarded. And uh, next Sunday morning I'll have more to say about the shepherds, but tonight it's, it's the angels. And it's, it's worth noting that these angels did not bring the wonderful message of Christ's birth to those who had a lot of influence. They did not appear to, to people of means, to people of wealth, or to political or religious leaders. Instead, they came to the least significant, to the least respected, they came to the least likely people in the community. In other words, when God's messengers came, they came to bring good news to all people, and they demonstrated it by starting at the bottom. There was one angel at first on this particular night. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us who it is. It's probably Gabriel, since he is the one that's been giving all of the messages throughout uh, this, this period of time with uh, Zechariah and with Mary. Uh, the text doesn't say. Probably Gabriel. But then in verse 13, this one angel is joined by a great company of angels. The Net Bible says that it is this vast heavenly army appeared with the angels. Now, if you're afraid of one angel and you hit the turf with just one angel, you can imagine how deep that they tried to dig their way into the ground when this multitude of angels appeared. And the first angel brought the news in verse 11 that today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this angel gave specific instructions as to where this baby could be found. He would be found in the town of Bethlehem. And then all of the angels brought in the form of a great hymn of praise. Which brings up an interesting thought. How long did it take for these angels to, to come together with this praise of Him for this one event that took place that night? Thinking about it and, and, and singing it. But they bring this, this, this great hymn of praise out of heaven, which in, in really is a commentary on the good news. It's called, uh, in, in, in the world, it's called the Gloria because that's the first word in the Latin version of the song in the Vulgate. And it begins by focusing on the one who set these events in motion, the one who controls all of the, the events on earth, the one who dwells in the highest place. And because of what has happened, because of who this baby is, people are going to respond to him and, and be filled with joy and to be filled with peace. And they're going to say things like, you know, my life was really a mess. I was making horrible decisions. And then all of a sudden, my life was given purpose and my life was blessed with wisdom. Or they might say, my life was out of control, but now it has purpose and direction because of the Christ. Or I was wandering, lost and alone. I had been rejected by everyone who had any meaning to me. But you found me. God be glorified, God be praised is the first part of verse 14. But then the song continues. And on earth, what? On earth, what? Peace men on whom, and listen to this, on whom the favor of God rests. 
How powerful those words. You think about your children on whom your favor rests. And you think about all that that means, all of the blessing, all of the goodness. And God from His heaven looks down and says, Peace to men on whom His favor rests. One of the gifts of this, of this, this moment is peace on earth. And it's peace on earth in the place of stress on earth. On earth, you know, Israel. We we sometimes entertain and the the Christmas cards and the Christmas shows and all of these kinds of things really do a number on the reality of Israel during this this ancient period of time. There was so much turmoil. Israel could not have been more fragmented during this period of time. Josephus talks about there being at least four major, and we know of others. But Josephus says there are at least four great philosophies of Judaism during this time. There's Essenes and Pharisees and, and uh, 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 Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, and, and uh, the Essenes. There are these four great sections. And at the same time, there was this tremendous taxation that was taking place, and people in the north were being taxed out of their minds. There are some scholars that say that people in the north that had had these lands and and, and, and we're trying to, to, to eke out an, an agrarian existence, that some of these places, some scholars would say that they were being taxed at, at about 75% of what they were able to bring in because of what they had to pay in Israel and temple taxes and, and taxes to Rome. And so there, were, there was lots of turmoil in the north as land that had been held by these families for a tremendous amount of time were now being lost. Now being lost. And there was turmoil between the north and the south. There was not a real Mason-Dixon line, but there was one at least in, uh, like that that ran from, from east to west and divided the north from the south. And they couldn't even get along in terms of dates and days. One used a, a solar calendar. The other used a lunar calendar. They couldn't even get together in, in Jerusalem on the same day for the same festivals. Israel is, is, is so fragmented. And there are, there are people that believe that, you know, that the height of what we're going to experience is, is being experienced right now, even though it's Rome and not God that's in, that's in, that seems to be in charge. And, and, the, and there were those that, that were beginning to lose these lands and, and they, those that had decided that they would not be day laborers who were beginning to show up not just in Scripture but show up in history at this period of time, they had decided that they would be robber brigands. They would be robber bandits. And that they would, they would later, you know, as some of the scholars think, become these zealots that would pick a fight with Rome and end up losing greatly to Rome at, at several decades down the road. And there were other groups of people that religiously believed that, that, that Jerusalem was so compromised religiously that it had become such a, a, a compromised spiritual place that they wanted nothing to do with it, that they would rather live out in the desert, which in their mind theologically was not that bad of a deal because that's where God always took care of His people. That's where God always felt, and the people felt close to God. That's where it always happened, out there in the desert. So that's where they lived. There was stress on the earth when this word, peace, to men on whom his favor rests came to them. And these shepherds were like every other person on earth. They were peace needers. 
you know, we think about our own day. I, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal every day. Um, we, we look at the news every day. We, you know, in our world, human beings, we don't need more lessons on war. We don't need more lessons on how to not get along with each other. We don't need more lessons on anger and spite and, and, and grief and, and pain. What we need are lessons on peace. We need lessons on shalom. The most beautiful word in the Hebrew language, the most beautiful word in all the world. Shalom is not the absence of conflict, but it's the blossoming of harmony. Harmony in families and harmony in, in marriages and in neighborhoods to the extent that, that law enforcement and the counseling community will no longer be needed. There's even a shalom of the body. We age. I, I noticed the other day that I have a growing bald spot on the back of my head. I don't see it every day. I didn't even know it was there. The, the lady that cuts my hair is really nice. She pretends that she just... It seems like she cuts hair back there and there's not any. We age. We break down. Some people donate their bodies to science. I'm going to donate my body to science fiction. Shalom. I love that word. Shalom is a harmony in the body to the extent that diseases vanish as would the need for hospitals and doctors. But most importantly, shalom was about harmony with God that made the prophets and the preachers, guys like me, no longer needed. And Israel was given a vision of it nearly 3,000 years ago, about 800 years before the time of, of Jesus. And Isaiah said, you know, there will be a time when the wolf will live with the lamb. Imagine that. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Think, think, think about that. How in our world two of the most extreme creatures, different from each other in every way, will be able to have peace with one another and unity. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. Can you imagine among all of those animals, the wolf and a lamb and a leopard and a goat and a calf and the lion and the yearling, that even a little child is safe? Shalom. The cow will feed with the bear and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Shalom. Peace. For the earth will be full of of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I read that church and it sounds almost too good to be true. Is it possible that one day we will not need cemeteries and ambulances and scalpels 
and chemotherapy. Isaiah thought it possible that the whole earth would be full of shalom and it would happen when the king appeared. And he says at the very beginning of that chapter, there will be a shoot that comes up from the stump of Jesse. From the roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or, de or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. And that text only makes sense of, uh, it makes sense of, uh, 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 if we think of it in terms of what he wrote two chapters earlier, we go from chapter 11 to chapter 9, and he says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. When the angels in Luke 2 are, are singing about peace on earth, it's more than just a beautiful night in the country. They are singing about the child that is prophesied here in Isaiah. They were saying in this song that what the old prophets like Isaiah and others had been saying for centuries, that they were not crazy. They were saying that, that, that we, we can only, as, as peace needers, find that shalom, find that harmony with God only if the peace creator is born. And that He is on this night. That's what they say to these shepherds. Born in Bethlehem. And think carefully about how peace became the core part of Jesus' ministry. In Luke chapter 7, there's a woman who's a known sinner at a dinner party. Jesus is always you know, eating with different people and having a good time with people. And in walks this woman. And as soon as she walks in the door, everybody knows who she is and what she does. What her reputation is. There's no peace in her life. But she comes to the peace creator and she wets his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair and she anoints Jesus with oil. And what does Jesus say to her? Your faith has saved you. Go in what? Peace. In the very next chapter, there's a woman with a bleeding issue. And because of that, she's considered unclean in her culture. Therefore, she doesn't uh, experience any of the, the relational shalom. She has to let people know that, that they, they, they can't come into contact with her. There's no harmony physically and literally in her life with other people. She has no shalom in her body because her body is at war with itself. 
But she reaches out to Jesus and she finds that healing. And He says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in what? Peace. The world has been turned upside down on a Friday. Disciples don't know what to think. They're scared to death. They had given everything that they had believed in, everything that they were, everything that they had owned, to, to follow Him for three years. And they were there when in Mark chapter 8 and Mark chapter 9 and Mark chapter 10. He began to teach them what the cross was all about. And they were there and they saw Him set His face like flint towards Jerusalem. They all knew what was awaiting. They said to one another, let's go with Him. Let's go to Jerusalem so that we may what? Die with Him. They knew what was headed that way. And they saw it happen before their very eyes. Three days later, surprise of all surprises, He's resurrected. The death that had invaded Jesus' body, that had disrupted Him, is now displaced with shalom. Shalom to the extent that death will never touch Him again. And He says in Luke 24, the first thing He says to His disciples after that resurrection is what? Peace be with you. Jesus says He is the one who gives the peace. Now there are many who claim to give the peace, but they don't deliver. Why? Because the lack of peace, biblically speaking, is the direct result of the presence of sin. The opposite of shalom. The thing that seeks to destroy shalom. Sin is the reason we need policemen and barbed wire in prisons. Sin is the reason that there are hospitals. Sin is the reason that there are lawyers and judges to sort things out. Sin is behind the motivation for me to look out for me and to you to look out for you. Sin is why someday this body is going to fall apart and is going to be put in a box. Paul says it's sin. The wages of sin. The way that sin works in our bodies and our minds, our relationships, the wages of sin is death. That's why there's death. But then Paul says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. Speaking of Jesus. And through Him, through this Christ, this Messiah, this baby that was born in Bethlehem, through Him, verse 20, to reconcile to Himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? By making what, church? Jesus makes the peace through His blood shed on the cross. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And, 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 and these coming weeks, there is no greater gift, no greater blessing than the peace of God because you have peace with God. And you don't experience that kind of peace until you are converted to the one that the angels sang about, was born in Bethlehem of a virgin, earthly father Joseph, protector and obedient to God in all things. Born in Bethlehem 
the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world and for all things to be reconciled to God because He makes the peace. Ben's going to lead us in a song right now. You know, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, you can be six years old and, and, and know what's happening in the world, right? You can be six years old and you know that things are not good. You can, you can be six years old and know that things are not right at school or right at home or right in the neighborhood, right at work. I mean, it doesn't take much intelligence to be able to see that things are not right. But what, it, what, but what happens when we listen to Scripture and we listen to these angels and we listen to Luke and, and to Paul and, and we listen to the Spirit is that the possibility for peace, real peace between a man and a woman, between adults and children, employers and employees, neighbors in the neighborhood, black and white, Red and yellow, rich and poor, educated and the not so educated, that there can be peace even when there's not peace around us in this world because of this baby and because of, of what he accomplishes at 33 years of age on the cross. God doesn't tell us that things are wrong with the world alone. God tells us about His will and about His plan and His, His desire for all men. And during the singing of this song, that, that uh, Ben, what song are we singing? I know the Lord will find a way for me. What a great song for us to sing tonight. The way, the way to peace is through Christ Jesus. The way to God and God's peace is through Christ Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way under heaven. No other name. There is no trick. There are no five steps. There are no, there, there, there's nothing that you can do in terms of pop psychology, five steps or ten steps to, to peace. It, it is only through Christ Jesus Himself that you find this peace. It's only through Him that your sins are forgiven. It's only through Him that, that your sins are, are, are driven from God as far as the, we, the east is from the west. It's only through Christ that, that you find that significance and, and that foundness and that, and that purpose and that direction and that strength to live life in peace. Our shepherds will be down here at the front. And if there are ways that they can minister to you tonight, we want you to come down and talk to them. Why live in turmoil? Why live in anxiety and adversity when peace, peace, just like the angel said, peace, because God's favor rests on men. Why wait? Come down to the front and talk to these shepherds as we stand and sing together.